plans for the Tropicana Field site and striking out, the mayor has announced that much has changed since the city first took proposals on redevelopment ideas two years ago, and it's best now to just go back to the drawing board. And, of course, they've had two major proposals offered, and he says basically it's going to be back to the drawing board. And he said their future is bright, and he's excited that they're moving into the next phase. But the um, that initial RFP was narrowed down to two companies and was first issued in 2020. And he said the new proposal should take into consideration how the pandemic changed the workplace, the current housing crisis, supply chain, and labor issues, and that the proposal should address uh, intentional equity and equitable development. little, um, well, he might need some clarification on that, but he said it's highlighted in the city's disparity study and structural racism report, which was completed after the original RFP was issued, but saying how our environment has changed in so many ways since the initial RFP was issued. We have to make that make sure it meets current values. And, of course, the big question is whether the Tampa Bay Rays will remain in the city when their lease is up at Tropicana Field, and that's in 2027. Uh, and following the mayor's announcement, the team issued the following statement. We appreciate Mayor Welch's leadership and the process he has outlined, and we're eager to continue discussions with Mayor Welch and the City Council and the Pinellas County Commission to determine whether our future home will be on this site. That's an interesting one there. He hopes the uh, mayor hopes the team is going to be involved in the redevelopment process. And um, just they're sort of planning on the raise staying there. You know, at one time they were talking about building a new stadium down by the water, which would be nicer and easier for people downtown to get to, but for people in Tampa to get to, uh, still pretty rough. And, of course, the talk has been about a new site in Tampa uh, in Ybor City or just south of Ybor City there. But that particular site is now being said to be unviable, that they can't go there. And, of course, I've been saying all along a great place would be over in that area uh, near where Raymond James Stadium is now. And, of course, there used to be a baseball stadium there many years ago where the Cincinnati Reds had spring training. But looks like that isn't even being considered at this point. So it's going to be fascinating to find out where the Rays are going to end up. One thing for sure, and that's good, is it's not going to be a split season with Montreal. That has been tossed out by Major League Baseball. 
It's 5-11 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in with John Thomas in traffic. That's top sustained winds of 40 miles per hour. So we're starting to see the uh, tropics uh, heat up, Jack, and we're going to see some more activity as the summer continues on. Fortunately, in this case, though, it doesn't look like this storm is going to uh, go anywhere near Florida. Yeah, it's not going to have any impact on us whatsoever. Um, not even a rain thing, but... No, it's uh, too far south, you know. It's right yeah. off the, the South American coast, if you look at it. Yep. So that's good news. But the problem is uh, it's been so hot, and that just doesn't help things when, when you're talking about the water heating up in the Atlantic, because that's what uh, helps generate these yeah. intensive storms, uh, cyclones. And They'll so, be coming soon. They will be coming soon. You know, Jack, I checked the standings uh, for the uh, American League East, and the Rays are like 15 games out right now. Oh, I know. Isn't that something? They have. I mean, they just got swept. Well, fortunately, it was only two games, but they were swept by the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. And now we've got a four-game series up in Toronto. So let's hope they can turn it around a little bit there. The Yanks have a 56-20 and record. Hmm. I mean, you know, I think they're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> I think so, yeah, and then some. You know, they're they're on a record pace. They they could uh, perhaps tie their all time number of wins, which they yeah. set back in the nineteen uh, nineties, back with the Derek Jeter team and all. You know, those players, Mariano yeah. Mariano Rivera, that, that kind of thing, for sure. And so, you know, if they keep beating up on the Rays, they'll do that. Someone's going to have to take them out, though. And they say in baseball, there's always the law of averages. You start out really well, but eventually things are going to level out a little bit, well, and the Yankees will start losing some games. Hope so, and the Rays start winning some games. That's right. That's what we need. We need things. Toronto we need to... is good. Anyway, That's right. you'll hear more from Chris coming up here in about nine minutes on AM Tampa Bay from the newsroom. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Jack. It's 521 on AM Tampa Bay. Time for Traffic with John Thomas recreation and of course that's become a public park 1882 charles j guteau is hanged in washington dc for the assassination of president james garfield in 1892 the homestead strike begins near pittsburgh 1900 a savage fire wrecked three steamships docked at a pier in hoboken new jersey over 200 crew members and passengers were killed and hundreds injured. 1905, Albert Einstein sends the article on the electrodynamics of moving bodies in which he introduced special relativity for publication in Adelander Physique. I'm not even sure how to pronounce that. 1906, the U.S. Congress passed the Meat Inspection Act, and the Pure Food and Drug Act. 1921, U.S. President Warren Harding appointed former President William Howard Taft as Chief Justice of the United States. In 1922, in Washington, D.C., Secretary of State Charles Evan Hughes and Dominican Ambassador Francisco Peinado signed the Hughes-Peinado Agreement which ended the U.S. occupation of the Dominican Republic. 1937, the world's first emergency telephone number 999 is introduced in London. Of course, we got 911 here. 1944, World War II, the Battle of Cherbourg, ended with a fall of the 
strategically valuable port to American forces. 1953, the first Chevy Corvette rolls off the assembly line in Flint, Michigan. And we're going to run out of time, so we'll get to the rest of them here in the next half hour. It's 528 on AM Tampa Bay. But I brought something in that's good. Well, we got the wrap-up of Today in History for June 30th, and we were down to 1956, a TWA Super Constellation and a United Airlines DC-7 collide above the Grand Canyon in Arizona and crash, killing all 128 on board both airliners. I was on a DC-7 in Vietnam when it nearly crashed. It took a lot of hits and lost one of the engines. But fortunately, it made it to an airport and landed safely. Um, in 1966, the National Organization for Women, the largest feminist organization, is founded. 1971, the crew of the Soviet Soyuz 11 spacecraft are killed when their air supply escapes through a faulty valve. 1985, 39 American hostages from the hijacked TWA flight 847 are freed in Beirut after being held for 17 days. 1986, the U.S. Supreme Court rules in Bowers v. Hardwick that states can't outlaw homosexual acts between consenting adults. In 1990, East Germany and West Germany merged their economies. In 2013, 19 firefighters die controlling a wildfire near Yarnell, Arizona. 2019, Donald Trump becomes the first sitting president to visit the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. That's North Korea. And finally, in 1861, Union gunships bombard Tampa. They were going after Fort Brook, the fort, which was generally in the, um, well, south of Gandhi Bayshore near the coastline there. And uh, that's our Today in History presented by Fitzgerald Auto Mall. At Fitzgerald, it all begins with a low price in writing, and it's posted on the window of every car. Transparency and trust. That's the Fitz way. It's 541. Time to check on traffic now with John Thomas. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And it's 545 on AM Tampa Bay. And I might add that um, it's just Jack and Katie today and tomorrow. No, Hopefully, James. Hopefully, we'll get James back next week. He is recovering from COVID. And so that means we've all had it once he gets through with it. <laughs> I think he's already had it before. So he got it again, huh? Yeah, he got it again. Yeah, we used to think once you got it, that made you uh, immune from it in the future, but that didn't happen. No, not the case. It certainly hasn't. So that's the way that is. Anyway, we would like to hear from you what your thoughts on the Tampa Bay Rays moving to Tampa or staying in St. Petersburg, um, what you think should be done next, perhaps even what should be done with the current uh, Rays baseball site, which is something that's 
being looked at very strongly now by Mayor Ken Welch, and he wants to do the right thing there, obviously. And, of course, they would love to be able to keep the Tampa Bay Rays, but I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. But we will see. We'd like to get your calls on that, 800-969-9352, or you can text us at 82945 and just begin your text with the uh, call letters WFLA. So please do that right now, and we want to hear from you on that. By the way, there's talk about gas prices. They are going down very slowly, but uh, current average in the Bay Area, this is as of yesterday, was 458 and that was down two cents from the day before. So this, the 458 is Wednesday's um, current average, and that was down two cents from Tuesday, down 17 cents from a week ago, and down one cent from a month ago. And from a year ago, it's up a dollar sixty-three. And the highest ever was 490. Uh, it's 32 cents lower than that now, and that was back in on uh, June 13th. Let's go to Doug in Tampa, who's got a comment to make on the Rays. And Doug, what do you think? Hey, good morning, Jack. How are you today? Oh, fantastic! Man, I miss your voice at the airport. Oh yeah, <laughs> but they got um, so the Rays. Yeah, man, this has been like a uh, a crazy thing. It keeps on going on and on and on. Um, so I think obviously they should stay in St. Pete for sure, and and I think they need to go to Alang. Um, you know, it's just a beautiful site. Uh, everybody loves the water. St. Pete, downtown St. Pete's a great town. Um, I think it'd just uh, be great for everybody. You know, you move it to Tampa. You know, people from St. Pete will never go to Tampa. I guess people from Tampa will hardly ever come to St. Pete, vice versa. But uh, definitely bring it to the water where everybody loves the water. Now, I think that'll be the uh, You're the absolutely right about that. Al Lang Field, uh, that area is a perfect place because of the, the whole setting, and there's plenty of room for parking and all of that kind of thing. Um, and, and, of course, you got the historic outlying field area down there in itself but um that that might happen a possibility of it because tampa's having a terrible time trying to come up with the right location so i think you might be on to something there for sure but anyway what are your thoughts on this give us a call at 800-969-9352 or you can text us at 82945 and tell us your thoughts. Do you like that idea of moving it to where Al Lang Stadium is now? I've actually never been to Al Lang Stadium. Oh, yeah, I've been there many times back when they did have games there and preseason games, of course, there. And um, that's where the Rowdies are playing now. I am for anything that keeps it out of Montreal. So oh, yeah. as, as long as we're staying in the general area, I'm for it. We did get a text from someone. It says, I live in Lakeland, and there's absolutely no way that I can go to a Rays game during the week. I think the stadium should be built in Tampa, which is the central point, just like the Bucks and the Lightning. 
Well, that's a pretty good point. Yeah, because on that is a long way for someone to go from Lakeland. Even in Zephyr Hills, I don't want to drive all the way to St. Pete. Tampa is about as far as I'm going. If I have to go over to St. Pete, I very rarely show up to events. Anybody that, who works here will tell you that. That is a good point for sure. Well, anyway, we'll take more calls and texts when we get an open here. But right, and we'll get Rory O'Neill coming up in just a minute. And it's 5.50 on AM Tampa Bay. And here's John Thomas with traffic. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. And Rory O'Neill, our NBC News Radio reporter, joins us right now. And this report is brought to you by the Oncology Institute. And Rory, um, what is the latest from the Ukraine. I mean, this thing just goes on and on. And of course, we had the story the other day about the Russians uh, bombing that shopping center, which is. Yeah, just terrible. And they're still trying to go through the rubble over there to find any more victims that may still be trapped inside. Uh, we do know that Russia continues to make progress uh, while fighting in that eastern area of the Donbass region. Uh, there are a couple of villages outside the city of Lysychansk, which they're still uh, seeing some of the most intense fighting. But if Russia can take this area, essentially they'll have taken over the whole Donbass region. So uh, really, the, the Ukrainian fighters, maybe in the last days of, of trying to keep this eastern area, which has always been filled, or since 2004, has been filled with Russian separatists and this kind of fighting that's been underway for a while. What's the deal on the NATO meeting in Madrid that, of course, the uh, president met on? I mean, obviously, one of the biggest topics had to be the Russian attacks on the Ukraine. Right. So we had the G7 summit in Bavaria, and many of those same people are now at the uh, NATO summit in Madrid, which is wrapping up. President Biden is going to have a press conference from Madrid in about two hours uh, he's essentially going to claim victory here, showing that the NATO alliance is stronger than ever, remains unified in its support of Ukraine to throw out the Russian invaders, and uh, celebrating the fact that this uh, alliance is growing, adding Finland and Sweden, also probably trying to pat himself on the back for getting Turkey to give up its objection to adding those two countries. It just took a couple of fighter jets to get that deal done. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they're going to try to proclaim a, a big success here uh, with this NATO summit that wraps up today. And, of course, we've sent thousands of troops over there. I mean, not into the Ukraine yet, but you wonder if they're preparing to go into the Ukraine. Well, you know, President Biden has said we won't have boots on the ground there, but we are doing a lot to train up that Ukrainian force uh, on a lot of the technology and the military hardware that we're sending. And we heard from the president yesterday that the U.S. will be expanding its role uh, in NATO countries, uh, sending two more destroyers to be positioned in Spain, uh, sending the Fifth Army Corps with new headquarters in Poland, even two new squadrons of F-35 fighters to be deployed in Britain. So uh, as the president said, by land, sea, and air, the U.S. will be deepening its ties to its NATO allies. Yep, they sure will. Rory O'Neill, our NBC News radio reporter, um, and this report brought to you by the Oncology Institute, new kind of cancer care provider focused on clinical outcome, patient satisfaction, and designing a treatment plan that's right for you with six locations across Tampa Bay. Make an appointment at theoncologyinstitute.com. And, Rory, we will talk to you tomorrow.
It's 557 on AM Tampa Bay. Uh, Lou Sanders, Owen LaFave, Christine Quinn, Rob Canton, and John Zeller. And do you have any names to add to that list? I have three. Andy Mills, Chelsea Brooks, and Michelle Andrews. That sounds like a good one. You've got more friends having birthdays now. You have more than me today. (laughs) Only, well, let's see, one, two, three. I had five. I had three. (laughs) Oh, my. Well, we got a few lines here. Let me see. A couple of lousy jokes. What's the smartest insect? This is from Ben Ben Ritter. Ben, here you go. We got him. A bookworm. Well, that's a good one. Uh, but it's a spelling bee. Oh, well, that makes sense. Uh, what does a storm cloud wear under his raincoat? I don't know. Thunderwear. Ah. These are getting worse. Why do birds fly south in the winter? Because it's faster than walking. And where do kids learn to make ice cream? Sunday school, (laughs) S-U-N-D-A-E. That's good. Uh, Why can't you trust zookeepers? Because they love cheetahs. Ah. And what's the largest gem on earth? A baseball diamond. Hmm. Well, that's enough of these. Now, tomorrow we'll have our fake Friday news for you. And probably even a lot worse stuff here. By the way, we were talking yesterday about Chubby Checker and uh, where the twist uh, came from. And, of course, it came from here, as we know. Uh, the guy who wrote it saw the kids twisting here and asked them what they are doing. And they said, we're twisting and he went to Jackson House and probably wrote it right there, but nevertheless, Chubby Checker was the guy who had the hit single it twice. It was number one, the only song ever to reach number one twice. But Chubby Checker is now saying that it was from Philadelphia, and that's not the case. The guy who wrote it, Hank Ballard, said, no, he wrote it here. But um, George Carl said, You know, there was behind-the-scenes politicking going on even back then, and Chubby was brought on to American Bandstand to do the twist to introduce it to the country, and guess where American Bandstand originated? Philadelphia, and you can bet that Dick Clark made sure that Chubby told everybody it originated in Philadelphia as part of his deal. In fact, he may have believed it. That's from George Carl, and George, you might be right on that. It's 6.10 on AM Tampa Bay, and here's John Thomas now with traffic. Lyndon Johnson, I heard him say one time in a speech, with all my heart, I wish this weren't so. And I lifted that track out of his speech and thought, that's kind of funny. And um, so when I'd say something like, well, it looks like it's going to be a rainy weekend, I'd hit the cart and he would say, with all my heart, I wish this weren't so. <laughs> and I got a lot of reaction on that. And I ended up when Nixon was president, 
I took his speeches and took lines from him, and I had four carts of his voice tracks, which would have probably been about 60 of them, going up to a job in Washington, D.C., and I thought, these are really big, big up there. And as I'm driving up there, he resigned on August 8, 1974. And I thought, well, that didn't work out at all. And I did get, uh, when I was up there, get a speech of Henry Kissinger um, and took a couple of voice tracks from that. But I wasn't even able to do the voice tracks much up there because there you had the, the unions and the announcers couldn't touch anything. All we could do was hit the on and off mic button and you had an engineer that had to do everything else, and that was too difficult to work with those Nixon carts and all that other stuff. So I ended up dropping that idea totally. We didn't do it anymore. But that was, they were pretty popular around here. With all my heart, I wish it weren't so. (laughs) But that was my throwback for uh, this date. Of course, I had a lot of interesting experiences while I was up there. Do that as part of a throwback some other time. But nevertheless. We got another text about the Rays Stadium. Oh, what did they say? Someone said, with all the high-rises moving to St. Pete and all the growth, the Rays need to stay in St. Pete but run a shuttle across the water from Amelie Arena, you know, the Tampa Bay area, for the people that want to come from Tampa. And, you know, obviously people don't want to drive back and forth. So that's a good idea. Run a shuttle across the water and then take people from, I mean, they kind of already have that, but doesn't that shuttle go to Clearwater? Didn't they do that for a while? Wasn't there like a shuttle you could take over? Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess they're saying do that. Keep it in St. Pete, but have way easier ways for people to get from Tampa to St. Pete. So have like a shuttle that goes across the water from the Channel Side area over to St. Pete. Yeah, you mean on those wires and everything, right? I No, in the water. Oh, so a boat. Yeah, like a, a ferry, like a shuttle on the water. Well, they've got one now. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're just saying. He should. That's how people should get over there. They should keep it in St. Pete, and people should go there. Just like people from St. Pete want to come here for the Lightning Games, they should just take a a shuttle. I didn't know the one that we had now went to St. Pete. I thought it went to Clearwater. I didn't realize that. Uh, No, I think it goes to, yeah, it goes to St. Pete. Well, then I guess do that. Well, that might work. Of course, it comes downtown, and it's a long way from there to the game, but I guess they can have buses. But, you know, it would be a good idea to put put those, I've forgotten what you call them now. They've got them at Disney and um, those sky boxes or whatever they are. that Silas or I don't know what they're called. Uh, but anyway, to set up one of those going across, because that would be a pretty interesting way to cross. But I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out for sure. Um. Hey, by the way, we've got to talk about the Walk of Fame someday. I'm just wondering if Kaylee McEnany, who has been so successful on Fox News now, if she would be one that would be on that Walk of Fame. And then I was thinking about Colonel Tom Parker, uh, the guy who was a dog catcher here and ended up being the manager for Elvis and brought Elvis down here to perform a whole bunch of times and 
Uh, who else? Oh, and, and whether Channing Tatum would make it, the actor who went to school here. That was all. He went to school here. He's not from here, but and he left after school. But um, it's something we need to get into now to who's going to be on that walk of fame and see if we can get her done uh, on the west side of the Hillsborough River or wherever. It's 621 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check in now with John Thomas and traffic. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 625, and joining us now is Noam Layden, our NBC News Radio reporter. And, Noam, there's beginning to be talk now that Hillary Clinton might make a run again in 2024. And um, I'm just thinking she's got too many things going against her now to even have a chance to be nominated by the Democrats. Well, you know, what she has said publicly is that, uh, you know, she doesn't think she's interested in running, but she won't, you know, completely shut the door. She did an interview with CBS this week. Uh, she did an interview a week ago with the Financial Times where she said she wasn't going to run. So it's not really clear what's going on. But there is a movement on the part of some Democrats who look at the bench of Democrats who could run. Let's say that Joe Biden opts out and they say it's very lean and the names are not very big and that they feel uh, that Hillary Clinton could be best at top of the ticket. Now, of course, there's a lot of infighting in the party saying, no, she's not the person, but, um, you know, she's not ready to throw cold water and all the talk just yet. Well, that's going to be interesting to see if that works out. Uh, I mean, even Howard Stern is talking about running and some are saying, well, he's got about as good a chance as Hillary Clinton. Yeah, well, you know, what they, she says is saying behind closed doors is she's waiting to see what Joe Biden would do. Um, she will, she's going to be 75 in October, so that would make her 77 uh, during the campaign. And um, if uh, Donald Trump jumps back in, she would actually be the youngster in the race, which would be sort of interesting. Yeah. Um, the other thing is that, um, uh, you know, the Republicans are sort of licking their lips, maybe hoping that she will get in because they they say, look, nothing unites the Republican Party like a Hillary Clinton run. We saw it in 2016, and they're saying, hey, go for it in 2024, and whoever we have at the top of the ticket will have a better shot. Yeah, and uh, Ron DeSantis, Governor DeSantis, is beginning to look stronger and stronger. Well, for sure, the January 6th hearings are not helping the ex-president by any means. I mean, uh, most of the people tuning in are people who probably have made their decision about him, but people who are on the fence might say, hey, wait a minute, look what Ron DeSantis did in Florida. You know best um, with COVID, uh, lifting those COVID restrictions, um, with his fight with the school system, and they like what he's done on record. He has a great record uh, for Republicans, and they say, hey, he's a better vessel than Donald Trump, who has a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Yeah, and of course, Donald Trump uh, was very close to DeSantis in helping him get elected as governor of Florida. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether or not DeSantis would be willing to run against Trump. Well, you know, Donald Trump would probably come in with more money initially. But again, we don't know how these hearings are going to play out. It may be that it'll be nothing, and, and he'll be able to make that run. But if you've noticed, and again, you're in Florida, so you see this better, Ron DeSantis has kept his distance from the ex-president over the last year or so. You don't uh, see them getting together. He's not going to Mar-a-Lago. 
Um, and uh, if he is thinking about really making that run for the White House, maybe he's thinking, I need to keep my distance from the ex-president. Yeah, that's a possibility for sure. Well, Noam Layden, our NBC News radio reporter, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Jack. All right, thank you. It's 628 on AM Tampa Bay. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 637 on AM Tampa Bay, and we've got someone on the line here. Uh, Glenn, what's on your mind this morning? Morning, Jack. Morning. The the stadium, which he was saying yesterday, uh, put it down there by the Bucks. That'd be a a better location because over there, if you put it in uh, Ybor City, you're going to have a big traffic jam there at uh, Malfunction Junction and everything else. And if people remember, why doesn't the Bucks throw in some money to build the stadium since we helped build build the stadium over there, the taxpayers? Yeah, I, I just think that would be a good area to do it. I mean, there's a lot of room for parking. There's, uh, I mean, you've got that area has turned into a sports mecca. I mean, you got the Yankees stadium there and you used to have, um, a, a baseball stadium there where the Cincinnati Reds did their spring training. But I just think that would be a great area to put a baseball stadium. Well, you have a great day. All right, you too. Thanks for calling, Glenn. And uh, have you got a dope of the day? I do. His name is Gabriel Ruiz, and he was coming back from the Dominican Republic. He flew into Baltimore, and um, yeah, they found a million dollars worth of cocaine in his electric wheelchair. And this isn't the first time this has happened, not specifically to him, the first time it's happened to him, but... uh, TSA and the, they're all starting to find things in wheelchairs. People are starting to hide them in their wheelchairs, and it's not working out well for them. Over a million dollars worth wow. of cocaine. So he is in a little bit of trouble. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, that's a dope of the day, especially trying to go through airports because since 9 11, the security has been incredible. I mean, you got to take your shoes off. They're. There's no way you can sneak through with a lot of cocaine. Yeah, you're not going to get through with a million dollars worth of coke. It's just not going to happen for you. I mean, good luck, but um, he owes someone a lot of money, that's for sure. Yes, indeed. <laughs> He'll be in the slammer for a while. But, um, hey, coming up, we got Jay Ratliff, who celebrated a birthday yesterday. Uh, but right now, 640, it is John Thomas celebrating the traffic now was the time to jump in uh especially when it dipped under fifty thousand and then forty thousand we had people that were going out and borrowing money to uh jump in on it completely certain that it was going to return to those levels and they were going to make a great deal of money unfortunately the exact opposite has happened as uh bitcoin has dropped from uh you know starting the year it came in at i don't know fifty thousand dollars and it's been dropping uh pretty much ever since there was a little bit of a recovery back in march april uh taking it from 40 to 50,000 but it has dropped and continues to drop which kind of reflects the market i mean this market is 
It's the worst start of any year since, I think, 1962. So you've got to go back a ways to to see exactly how bad things have been from a stock market standpoint this far into the year. And Bitcoin certainly has uh, uh, responded just as many of the stocks have this year. I'm just not familiar with Bitcoin. I mean, I know we talk about it, and we've heard so much about Bitcoin, and I've never seen Bitcoin, or I wouldn't even know how to use Bitcoin if I had it. Well, the idea is it's a cryptocurrency, and it's something that now, you what's can a, use. what's a cryptocurrency? It would be something that is an online form of payment that would allow you to pay for goods and services as you would uh, you know, your Google uh, app uh, that you would have for anything else. It's designed for convenience, but the problem is when you're looking at investing in company X, you can do your due diligence. You can see who's running the, the, the corporation. You can see their financials, their business plan. You can look at the history of what the company's done, what the sector has been doing. There's a lot of things that you can pull from as you try to make an informed decision. Unfortunately, with Bitcoin, it's the exact opposite. Everything is is veiled in secrecy where a lot of things you don't know. There, there's no government oversight. There's no government control. There's no government guarantee. There's nothing to back it up. So as a result, you're simply speculating what someone will pay for Bitcoin if you jump into this. And unfortunately, so many people have added cryptocurrencies, including Warren Buffett, to their portfolio over the last uh, year or two that uh, the idea is that you know, we're heading towards a digital currency down the road, and I suspect eventually we will arrive at that point. And the thought was of all the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin being the foremost and the most famous, would be the one to kind of lead us in that direction. And unfortunately, it just continues to drop and drop and drop. I mean, before where Bitcoin was being discussed daily by people that were making money or saying they were making money, now it's the exact opposite. A lot of these spokespeople that you try to reach out to that we're talking about what a screaming buy this was back in February and March when it was dipping under $40,000, uh, you don't hear a peep from because right now they simply don't have an answer to where this speculative cryptocurrency is going to continue to go. Hey, one quick thing here before we go. Are airline stocks taking a hit because of all the cancellations this summer? Uh, no. What, what, they're, what they've been doing is taking a hit, Jack, because of the, um, the, the fuel prices and some of the reduction in summer flights. The event of the summer is going to be an inconvenience, yes, but it's not going to cause investors to go away because they're thinking, you know, airlines are operating the best way they can. They're trying to maximize their profits, operating more flights than they really can do from a staffing complement standpoint. So uh, there's very little uh, reflection of the summer mess, and it continues to be one, especially as we go into this three-day weekend uh, with regards to airline stock and uh, the price of it with everything that's going on. A lot of people also view it as a temporary glitch. As a result, uh, they would not look long-term as something that would adversely impact the price of a stock. In fact, if anything, people are hoping it continues to go down to jump in on it at a later date. But anything transportation-related would need to drop a lot more before it would get my attention. Okay. And by the way, a belated happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. Celebrated the uh, 20th anniversary of my 39th birthday yesterday. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, Sherry took good care of me, and it was a good day. I did more working. That's what I told Katie. I, I did what you guys do. I, I, I worked on my birthday and, uh, you know, spent some time with family last night, and it's just back to work today. 
Well, that's a good thing. So happy birthday. And Thank you. We'll try to get it right next year and wish you happy birthday on your birthday. Hey, look, you sung you sung me happy birthday last year. That was more than enough. That'll take me. That's good for five years. Oh, That'd be good. a good five years. Well, I don't recall that, but that must have been horrible. No, no, it was a lot of fun, and it was very much appreciated. Well, before you do any trading on the stock market, you want to go to daytradefun.com, and Jay Ratliff will talk to you next week. And have a great fourth, my friend. You too. It's 6.50 on AM Tampa Bay, and time to check out traffic with John Thomas. This is AM Tampa Bay with Jack Harris on News Radio WFLA. It's 6.54. And by the way, this is out of West Virginia, but the last World War II Medal of Honor recipient, Herschel Woody Williams, just died at the age of 98. Um, and he was the last living World War II Medal of Honor recipient, um, born in 1923 and grew up in Marion County, West Virginia joined the Marine Corps, and he was in the Battle of Iwo Jima with the 21st Marines. And he got the Medal of Honor on October 5th, 1945, from President Harry Truman for his, well, to quote, his actions, commitment to his fellow service members, and heroism. And following his service, he worked to serve veterans and their families as a Veterans Service Representative for the Department of Veterans Affairs for 33 years and also Commandant for the Veterans Nursing Home in Barbageville, West Virginia. And he was on the Governor's Military Advisory Board for West Virginia. But he was named a Distinguished West Virginian in 1980 and 2013 in the West Virginia Hall of Fame and the Huntington VA Medical Center was also renamed the Herschel Woody Williams VA Medical Center in his honor. So this was quite a guy. In fact, they even named a warship. March 2020, the Navy commissioned a warship, the USS Herschel Woody Williams, in his honor at Norfolk, Virginia. But he is survived by a couple of daughters, preceded in death by his wife, Ruby in 2007, but this is one of those few heroes of the Iwo Jima uh, battle. But that's quite a guy, Woody Williams. Hey, by the way, a note here, too, from George Carl real quick. I'm sure you've had hot dogs. We talked about these the other day, hot dogs in water. But he says from the street carts in New York City, Usually they're sabret hot dogs, and they add hot dogs to the same water, and they're known as dirty water dogs for that reason, and they taste great. Yep. <laughs> but I have had them on the streets in New York for sure, and they are good. He's right. <laughs> well, anyway, we'll see you tomorrow morning at 5 on AM Tampa Bay. Live it up.